In hunter and gatherer societies, men hunt and women gather. This fundamental truth is taught in classrooms across the country. It's what one author refers to as the conventional textbook generalization. There's just one problem. It isn't true. In this video, we're going to discuss that myth and some of the more recent research that disproves it. So what brought us to this topic is we were recently updating some of the content in a couple of our courses, namely a course on ideology, and we stumbled across some more recent research regarding the idea of the gender division of labor. And these articles, fairly recent articles, there's three of them, started to get us to rethink the way we're even framing um, this part of our course. The articles are Female Hunters of the Early Americas by Randall Haas et al. back in 2020. The next one was The Myth of Man the Hunter, Women's Contribution to the Hunt Across Ethnographic Contexts by Abigail Anderson this year. Um, and then another one combines kind of the topic um, and this one comes to us from Big Think this year as well. It's called Busting the Male Hunter, Female Forager Myth Once and for All. These articles really go out to try and challenge the prior myths that come to us from, from much older works um, earlier in the 20th century. Some examples of these that kind of established this myth that Nick was talking about. One was a, a book called Man the Hunter. It was written in 1968 by uh, Richard Borche Lee, no relation, of course. Um, the next one was Women the Gatherer, and that was written back in 1983 by Francis Dahlberg, Dahlberg excuse me. And the next one was Hunting and Gathering, the Human Sexual Division of Foraging Labor. That comes to us from Frank Marlowe uh, in 2007. There were a couple of... What? Yeah, I just wanted to add that Man the Hunter, that book, was an edited volume of the papers presented at a symposium of, that was ethnographic work done on hunting and gathering societies for the most part. So this was really like a landmark, like drew the line in the sand of this was a gathering from researchers all across the globe that were presenting their ethnographic research. So this was like an archaeology and anthropology, like a landmark sort of work. And like you said, right, the title is Man the Hunter. So it really establishes this myth, you know, suggesting that, and in fact, the suggestion overall in this uh, edited volume is that the primary evolutionary reason for Homo sapiens becoming the dominant species, i.e. us developing larger brains, etc., is a result of hunting, right, meat consumption, and that man, not man in general, men, meaning men versus female, that the males were the dominant sex that were doing the hunting activity. So implying, and actually not implying, stating directly that it was the male sex that was primarily responsible for the advancement of the evolution of the human species. So that's really, really convenient for somebody named Richard and another one named Irvin, right? <laughs> really convenient assertion to make. Anyway, um, okay, yeah, that I mean, and, and Nick's right. I think that's one of the things that's kind of lost um on a lot of us now with the like proliferation of information via internet and youtube and so on and so forth but but back in the middle of the 20th century when when somebody writes some sort of landmark quote unquote and, and it is quote unquote because it's been proven wrong now academic work they're making that assertion and that assertion sticks for like a while right like i mean it's it 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 gets more and more difficult to to debunk during that period of time um luckily we have much more modern um, research me methodology now. And also, I mean, there's been wild debates since sort of the beginning and latter part of the 20th century about this topic, right? And not just whether or not it was the males that were dominant, right? Everyone sort of took as a truth the gender division of labor, men hunting, women gathering, 
but there was wild debate on why. So all kinds of different reasons for why this existed, right? Some people argued that it was a result of higher levels of testosterone in the men, which resulted in uh, just generally greater physical strength. So they were physically more uh, apt to be the hunters. Uh, many people harped on the fact that women's women's women are the life givers, right? That, that biologically, clearly, they have the necessity to carry uh, birth and then care for the children so they couldn't be out on hunts, etc. Right. That's just a couple. Right. There's many, many, many uh, in this debate reasons that were given. But the overarching sort of, I think, thread of all of this was that it was natural, right, that it was just a natural thing that the men were hunters and that the women were gatherers, that this division of labor specifically was a natural phenomenon that was dictated by the natural world. Now, we're not actually not even. Go ahead. Right. And importantly, we want to like use that word or they wanted to use that word natural to assume like this is just the way it is. So when we are contextualizing this research in the middle of the 20th century, obviously a wildly patriarchal century, right, especially in, in, in the Western world, this is this is that rationalization for the current context. That's the funny part. Oftentimes when we do this research into the past, I'm a, I'm a historian, but also archaeologists and paleontologists, they're all guilty of this as well. They're using their current social context to view these quote unquote artifacts or whatever it is, whatever methodology they're using to view the past and thus rationalize the present, not necessarily to give us any new insights on the past. Basically, it's it's a connecting the dots. Well, if it's this way now, it must have been this way then. And this is how we got here. Right. So, yeah. And it's like recursive. Right. They're viewing the past through their modern lens. So then they're applying those biases to their research, then, which we're going to talk about specific examples in just a second. The point is, though, yeah. we're actually not interested in this debate at all. We're not interested in why men hunt and women gather, because what we've seen with this modern research is the foundation of that debate has been disproven, right? It's faulty uh, from the get-go. Women didn't hunt and men didn't gather, at least not in those simple terms. So let's talk about some of the modern research and sort of its findings and how it uh, goes to sort of unseat this fundamental truth that we've all been carrying. And by the way, when I say we, like Jared and I are just as guilty as this. We teach in our courses that women gather and men hunt and that the women gathering is the majority of the calories and so forth, right? All of that is a false narrative. And we have to admit too, that like we fell victim to that as well, right? We were going on what the archeologists and anthropologists were giving us. So let's talk about some of the research that has disproven this. The first article- We, we, we changed the course, by the way, obviously. Yeah. We changed the content, but obviously with new research, but that, that's what happens is when you do receive new research and new information, you make those necessary changes to, of course, the discourse. It seems to be um, not as common in other discourses, but regardless, Nick, what was that first article? Female Hunters of the Early Americas, like Jared said, is published by Haas uh, et al. in 2020. And they performed a meta-analysis of burial sites uh, across the globe. Uh, and you can see the map. It was in the Americas, I guess, uh, specifically. And yeah, the first one was in the Americas. The other one was more global. Yep. 27 sexed individuals from 18 burial sites, which are associated with big game hunting tools. So they looked at specifically burial sites and they narrowed it down to which of these burial sites were the remains that were found sexed and which ones of them were buried with big game hunting tools specifically is what they were looking at here. So there were many more burial sites where either the remains weren't sex or they weren't buried with hunting tools. Clearly that's outside of the purview of what we're talking about here. Of those 27 individuals, 11 were identified as female. So that's 
of all of the remains that were found that were buried with big game hunting tools, 40% of those were female. And so the researchers conclude from 30 to 50% female participation, indicating that big game hunting was likely gender neutral or nearly so among late Pleistocene, early Holocene populations. So that last quote is a big claim, right? That they have backed up with data and research, et cetera. They're saying that essentially somewhere between 30 to 50% of these societies had females that participated in hunting, right? So about half. So they're saying basically this was a completely gender neutral activity, that it, the, 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 the idea that solely men hunt and solely women gather is essentially out the window, right? That's not at all supported by the data here from these various uh, burial sites. The time frame also matters. That late Pleistocene, early Holocene um, is just before the birth of, of, of what we call the state, right? And, and, and the movement towards a more patrilineal slash patriarchal way of viewing the world. So it the, the timeline actually does matter. This is before we get to the quote unquote Neolithic or agricultural revolution, whatever you prefer. So that that I think also plays a role, but we'll talk more about that in just a moment. In one study, Myth, the Myth of Man, the Hunter, Women's Contribution to the Hunt Across Ethnographic Context, published this year in 2023, the researchers examined ethnographic studies of foraging societies in various parts of the world, outside the Americas. They were motivated, actually, by the prior article that Nick just mentioned in 2020 um, to take this outside of, of just the North and South American continent and look at other, other societies. They looked at 63 different foraging societies. 79% of the groups had documentation on women hunting. Of the 50 societies that had documentation on women hunting, 41 of those societies had data on whether women hunting was intentional or opportunistic. And of the latter, 87% of the foraging societies described women's hunting as intentional, as opposed to 12% of societies that described hunting as merely opportunistic. Just they, they happened to be happening at that exact moment, and we're going to get some calories right now. In societies where hunting is considered the most important subsistence um, activity, women actively participated in hunting 100% of the time. They have a pretty strong thesis, so bear with me as I just read it. I'd, I'd rather just read it directly from them on this on this three article. Women in foraging societies across the world historically participated and continued to participate in hunting regardless of the childbearing status. The collected data on women hunting directly opposes the traditional paradigm that women exclusively gather and men exclusively hunt and further elucidates the diversity and flexibility of human subsistence cultures. Because the hunter-gatherer paradigm has prevented the recognition of contributions by women to hunting, a new framework would enable past and future discoveries to be evaluated in the context of female hunters. Furthermore, the term forager, as, su as suggested by Brightman, should be used to acknowledge the non-sexual division of labor concerning hunting and gathering in order to develop an inclusive framework for understanding human culture. So this is kind of interesting. What do you think of that thesis, this idea? It's not just a thesis of, of what they found based on their more recent research, as well as the article that focused mostly on the Americas that we've already talked about. But going back to another researcher, Brightman, who back in, I want to say the late 90s, Brightman also was already making this argument that, that and they didn't have this research behind them quite yet, but that the term forager is much better than hunter-gatherer, which kind of divides us, and that we should probably just use foraging society going forward, which would be a huge 
linguistic change to the way we frame like archaeological, historical, uh, sociological concept, uh, constructs from this time period. What do you think of that as like, not just like, this is a thing that we found, but this finding should change the way we think and even speak about past social organization? Yeah, I think that they're exactly correct, right? I mean, they basically say two things here. One, that the previous paradigm, the hunting-gatherer paradigm, minimizes women's contribution to the survival of human beings, right? Very clearly. But two, like you said, and perhaps, I was going to say more importantly, I don't know if it's more importantly, it's equally as important, we need to change our language going forward, right? That we have to draw a line in the sand and say, we have to stop using even this terminology, right? Hunter and gatherer, because it's just not applicable anymore to the findings that we're seeing here, that this term by Brightman, foraging societies is perhaps more apt because it eliminates the division of labor in the name, right? And so it's more inclusive and it's more accurate, right? I think is the key here, right? It's more an accurate description of what societies during this time period were like. Uh, and I think it's important to note, right? It's not just that you know, we talk about men hunt and women gather. It's not just that women also gathered. Research shows that across the board, men were also gathering, right? It's that both sexes were doing both jobs whenever necessary or whenever you know, dictated by the natural environment, etc. So it was really a blending of these activities. But the main point is that women also hunted, right? And this functions to sort of unseat the thesis that you know, the domination of the male sex and its role in the survival of humanity over time and its evolution of humanity as well, that women were hunting uh, just as often, right? So both of these studies, I think, go to reveal that it, this is just a myth. The, the myth of the male hunter, it's really just a result of the biases of previous researchers, which we already mentioned briefly, right? That were doing their work with their own from within their own patriarchal lenses, right? And it's just one example, you know, Haas's study analyzed burial sites where female remains were found with hunting tools. And the researchers at the time when they discovered this, you know, back in the mid 20th century or slightly later than that, um, were just kind of dumbfounded of how this could have happened. And they came up with all kinds of excuses, right? Causes for mm -hmm. perhaps the reasons for this, right? That it was just an accident, the hunting, you know, the arrowhead, et cetera. The point was well, just happened to be found in the grave with this uh, skeleton or that there was some substrate mixing, right? That this was from a different time period that just had settled in a way where it appears as if these remains were buried with this tool and so forth. Like, it was just beyond them that the simple truth that this woman was a hunter, right? They, they refused to make those connections because of the biases that they held themselves due to the strength of this myth, right? So if you're a researcher that's finding these skeletal remains and it's just ingrained within you that men hunt and women gather, then every time you find a woman with some kind of hunting tools, you have to somehow justify that in a way that isn't that this woman hunted, right? It couldn't be that, it just couldn't, right? So it's just interesting how, you know, the new research is just revealing the biases of the previous findings and helping us to understand that this whole thing like has just been a myth, right? I mean, it really has. To be clear, uh, what they were finding, um, especially in the Peruvian examples, were not just like a random spear that happened to roll into like a burial chamber or something along those lines. They were finding um, women buried with entire, like there were hunting kits. They could tell that there was a hunting kit. It's obviously made out of animal hide and there's all types of like different sized knives and cutting tools, um, as well as like, 
again, spears for, for the actual kill itself. So it wasn't just like a random one tool. Back then, you would carry an entire pouch full of like various different tools for all different parts of the hunting process, and that's what was being buried. So just to be clear, it, it, there's nothing random about this process. So, well, and they even talk about in, I can't remember both of the articles or just one of them, but how they were also specialized to the individual person, right? So yep. the tools would have different sizes, yep. et cetera. So they were highly specialized hunting kits that they're finding with these remains yep. that, you know, prove pretty much without a doubt that it belonged to that person that was in that burial site specifically, right? So like Jerry said, this isn't just like an accident, like, oh, it happened to roll in there when we were burying the person, right? Like it, it, it's definitely assignable to that person for sure. So in terms of like concluding thoughts, I mean, we don't have a lot. We're not, we're, this obviously kind of changes the way we think about the past and it obviously changes the way we should be thinking about the present. It certainly challenges the oversimplified binary paradigm presented in earlier works. And it's wildly important in terms of thinking about the origins in terms of social organization and, and resource acquisition. And, and as Nick had alluded to earlier, life givers and sustainers and, and so on and so forth. I don't think it challenges any of um. Our, our previous takes on on foraging societies being matrilineal it doesn't necessarily change anything along those lines but 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 it definitely changes some things um i guess here I i'll just say it like this it, it throws a much needed wrench in the ever turning cobs of the mighty male bringing home the bacon trope uh, of basically the last few thousand years which has been used to rationalize so so much inequality um so yeah i, I think that's that i think that's, that's the most important point yeah. is how that narrative has been used to justify modern inequality, right? Modern yeah. patriarchy, et cetera, that this is just natural. This is how it's always been, right? Look at all this evidence. We've had gender division of labor sort of along these lines, right? The bringing home the bacon trope. I love that, right? It's just always been like this. This is natural. This is the humanity from the beginning of time has naturally divided things like this. And so that's why it is this way, right? We can debate sort of how it came into being and why it sort of takes on these characteristics, but we really can't debate the fact that it exists. Like that's just a known truth. Well, the point of all of this is that it's not a known truth, that it hasn't always been like that, right. that now that we remove these goggles of like our patriarchal biases, we can see that the previous research was completely tainted, that it wasn't like this at all, and that we actually can't use the past to justify the present uh, inequality, meaning like the far past, right? Yeah, we can go back to like the 1900s and justify what's going on now, right? And that we can see a clear link between those two things. But no longer does the argument that like, you know, well, men hunt and women gathered. So now women must stay home and take care of the kids while the men are out working. That's just natural. That's false, right? And so we must understand that. And now, as Jared said, begin to change the way that we not only think about the past very clearly, but think about the present and the current inequities that exist within our society. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you liked that episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. I am Nick. I'm Jared. Later.